afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. My great pleasure as always to be with you. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. There's Director Matthew. You're you. You're listening to us and that is a good thing. Thanks for doing so on 93.3 Real Talk Radio on War Chant TV. Our daily reminder, like, subscribe, pass around, thumbs up, all the good stuff, all the things that, uh, if you're so inclined, uh, certainly help us out. So feel free to, to, to do that if you if you would. Uh, quick update on the U.S. Open for those that uh, are interested. That should be all of you. Get it together. Uh, Rory McIlroy, buddy. Is this the new? Has he turned the corner? What's going on here? So it's interesting. I had that on. I don't know how much you watched this morning. I watched, uh, yes, all morning. I would call that, what do you think, from uh, an approach shot standpoint? Maybe like a B round for him? Mm -hmm. Nothing great, but he's putting really well. That's that's been improved a lot over the last year to begin with, the putting has. And his emotions are up and down. Mm. Like He is as feisty as he's ever been. If If Liv has brought this extra edge out of him, then, you know what, maybe that's the best thing Liv did for golf. Was it pissed off Rory McIlroy to the point where he's gone super honed in and focused? Well, I think he has certainly you know, asserted himself as a leader on tour, um, and he's ascended to that position. By the way, I think that's been earned over a long period of time in which when he's been asked to weigh in on important subjects, um, maybe not as weighty as, as the state of golf, but just you name it, he's always been – uh, thoughtful and introspective and thorough, and I've thought that you know over time, uh, the more that they turned to him and asked him the tough questions, and the more that he answered those in a in a really insightful manner, uh, the more that he garnered the respect of his peers, and you began to see that. Um, I know it it actually probably happened in a way for your fandom towards him and mine. Uh, we always liked Rory. There's never been anything to dislike about Rory, frankly. Um, I mean, the game's all there, and he's been uh, a great statesman, and you name it. But but then there was sort of this maybe uh, apathy that he was feeling towards his professional career after winning four majors, and that made us sad. Right, or he was really trying to convince everybody that, you know, this isn't the biggest thing in the world. It's like, man. Well, remember he was heartbroken. He went through the bad breakup. with he the did. Yeah, yeah, and tennis he was player. madly in love with her, and I think, I think that affected him, and it made him look at his life like, like is this worth it? All I do is play golf, and... A lot of things that I read suggested that perhaps the break was they were both so busy with their professional careers they couldn't forge the relationship that they wanted to. And so he began to wonder, I've got more money than I'm ever going to need. I've already won a bunch of majors. I've won a bunch of tournaments. Do I love this kind of type stuff? And, you know, I think finding balance, I hear this a lot from um, – from. listen, this is the one thing I will say where I think I can bring to the table on this show for people that might even be mildly interested in golf, and you don't even have to like golf. This is about professional athletes, and I get lucky enough all through because of the SiriusXM show and because of Trey, I, I would not have been in this position. But, you know, I learn a lot about what these players think, and that includes during this situation regarding Liv and, and the PGA Tour and all of that. And one of the one of the things that players on tour don't like, and I know, boohoo, cry me a river. You get to play golf for a living, and you make, uh, in some cases, if you're an elite golfer, forty million dollars a year. <laughs> so nobody's going to be like, oh, tough, tough gig there, partner. Yeah, tell me how bad your life is, Brooks Kepka, as you get on your private jet and your twenty million dollar a year contract from Nike. I know. Uh, how do you do it? But 
they say it's monotonous and lonely. That's the most common thing. And they're required to do these things that they wish they weren't. And 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 that's kind of going to change. I think Liv will bring that out of the PGA Tour. Now, what's going to happen is they're going to make adjustments for the superstars on this tour. Now, if you're ranked 142nd, you better be there on Monday. But, but a lot of these other guys <laughs> probably don't have to do that, right? right? Or if you're top 10, you're going to get a serious amount of cash yes. to be there on Monday. Or if you don't want to be, don't have to be. Don't show up. Yeah. So I think that's going to happen. But those guys, and I did think about this before because college players, John Pack and a lot of players that have come through Florida State that didn't get a shot at it, right? Or guys that actually, have, you know, they've made it, they're on tour, they've got their card, they're sustaining it. One of the things they talked about is all of them, and this is for anybody, it's not just Florida State players, this is any of these guys. The biggest adjustment, because they all know that if they're if they're able to get their tour card and they're able to put together a schedule, um, they're going to be wealthy. They're going to make money because you've got sponsors and you've, you're going to have a way to make a lot of money. All right. Now, some guys may make seven hundred thousand dollars in a year. Others may make forty plus million. There's a big difference. I've just got to win tournaments and you garner sponsors and all that. But the beginning is that you are playing as many events as you possibly can because you don't really necessarily you're not in a position to set your schedule. So if you get an exemption or an invite, you got to take it, and you're trying to accrue points, all of that, make cuts. Well, for them, when you're in college, and this is true of like anybody in the working world, it's kind of interesting. When when you're in college, when you're out, you know, when you're going day to day, and you have people looking after you, let's say. You have, in the case of scholarship athletes, that is certainly true, right? Like, think about a football team. Think about Mike Norvell and, and what he told us when he first took over the job. I remember having that luncheon, and I asked him a question about when practice was going to be. And at that time, he was talking about having practice in the morning. And I asked why, because, you know, different coaches have different practice schedules. Some of them like to do it in the afternoon. Some of them want to do it first thing in the morning. And he said, well, I think, I think if you're trying to create um, stability in a place that's been unstable, you know, a locker room that's been unstable. You want these guys to, first thing they do to start their day is to be around people that are supporting them, support groups, right? Agents have changed for the for the positive. So you're going to go eat with them. You're going to be with them. You're going to, you're going to make sure they're eating right, right? So right off the bat, nutrition is great. You're going to get them hydrated. You're going to have a meeting with them. You're going to go to practice with them. Those first three to four hours of the day are going to be around people that are invested in their well-being, right? And it's going to set the day straight for them. And then you go on to class. You go to class. You come back. You got study hall, meetings, whatever. You go to bed and you do it again. You create stability, right? Now you get away from that. Let's say you move off campus and you've been around a while. There's a there's an adjustment period. Well, on the PGA Tour with these guys, let's say I, I got to go play in Ohio. I get an invite to a lesser tournament than the Memorial, whatever. I, I go play somewhere. Well, I got to get there uh, Sunday or Monday, and then I practice, and then I go back to my hotel room and I stare at the wall. I I, I got nobody. I don't have anybody there, especially if I'm not rich yet and I don't really have anything. So I don't have. You know, this team of people, like Jordan Speed talks about his team. You talk about these guys. Brooks Kepka has a team, a physio guy, a mental guy, all that, a nutritional guy. He's A lot of these guys don't have any of that. They have themselves and their caddy who's staying at the same hotel they are. And that's it. That's what you got. And you got a lot of time, a lot of time to think, too much time to think. And now you don't make the cut. 
now you're now you you don't make the cut and it's on to the next town by yourself again and you have a lot of time to think between that place and the new place that you're going to just how bad you suck to not make the cut and you begin to doubt stuff and you have nobody to really fall back on and they get really lonely you can't develop relationships because you're always on the road and so they talk about that, the psychological impact that's always ignored as opposed to the physical impact and how difficult it is physically. Um, I find all that infinitely fascinating. I think that more, it's funny to watch. It's a shame it didn't work out with me, and it definitely didn't. And I've said before, I understand why they fired him, and I'm not even surprised. But remember one of the first things he told me was that how important in the modern era with the influx of messaging that happens with social media and all these guys grow up on social media. We're now to a place where we're old enough, Tom, and I certainly am, um, where the kids that are coming down the pike to play college baseball, college football, college basketball grew up on social media. They have interacted with all of the, you know, the Twitters, Instagram, Facebooks, Snapchats of the world from day one. And while they're better equipped to kind of understand, like you like to say, it's the internet, it's not real. They get it better than guys my age, right? You know, like guys my age, like or even younger, guys in their you know early 40s, late 30s, they'll fire back at people on Twitter. But a young kid will be like, what are you doing? It's not even real. That guy's trying to get you to do that. Don't do that, Dad. You know what I mean? Yeah, but the problem is if you're in middle school or high school and bullying is present for you, you're one of the bullied, that doesn't stop. It's it continues. Awful. It continues, you right. never, you, you can't, like, at least in go my home. generation, yours, you go home. And yeah. your mom yeah. and your dad are in your corner, or you got your friends on the block that may not go to school with you, and everybody's cool. And then you go to school, and you have to go through we this nonsense. Yeah. It sucks, but it, it goes away. Yeah. Not, now, not in this age. It's omnipresent, right, if you stay on, and all these kids do. And it's not so easy to say, get off of it, because I say it all the time. I'm a broken record in my household. So... The, the I guess getting back to that, the importance of having the the, the psychology taken care of, right? The, the mental health aspect of this. You're seeing programs, football programs, baseball programs, basketball programs, add to basically their staff. They have people, and if they don't have them there on a daily basis, Players have access to those that are contracted out, that are hired and brought in. And those players can, those those therapists can be brought in, sports psychologists, you name it, uh, once a week or more, depending on how they're paid. I know Alabama does it. Alabama has been at the forefront of this. It's, it's a big deal. Jimbo tried to do it, enacted it for a while there for Florida State. Uh, now I think it's just standard. It's just standard. Meat wanted to upgrade that. Uh, I don't know that. I don't know if he did or didn't. I, I don't know, but it didn't work clearly. But, 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 but the point is, I find that is interesting to me because the, the physical part of all this is all we ever looked at. For the longest in my you know, professional career talking sports, we looked at whether or not somebody physically could or could not achieve. Were you fast enough? Were you big enough? Were you strong enough? Under pressure, could you execute shots in the case of golf or basketball? Could you make a play physically to get a stop in football? And that's all we ever looked at. Well, this is the specific event in golf across professional amateur ranks that is probably the hardest for a mental conditioning coach. The U.S. Open is always brutal. Yeah. And what was interesting today is, is watching Rory in several holes throw a hissy fit. 
Hey, Nothing short of a hissy fit. Well, in the bunker, he, he, yeah, twice. Yeah, and apparently uh, on the ninth hole, too, he tossed his club because he short-sided himself in at a bogey. It was his 18th of the day, but it was the ninth in the course. So he's at three under with the rest of the group, but he tossed his club on nine from the fairway because he had a poor shot there, too, which is just not like him. Now, I don't know if that's because he's summoning uh, uh, he wants a higher level of focus and will. And yes, right, in short, he wants it more. Yeah. Interesting to watch because he has been more stoic than not for the last eight years and he hasn't won a major in eight years but it looks like yeah he, see, he sees that there is a a real opportunity here is he channeling tiger i don't know the last time he won a major he won the week before so what that's interesting because he just won the rbc this past weekend yeah he did and by the way he birdied 17 and 18 to do it and i think yep. that is a big deal because having lost the lead like he did was fairly commonplace these last eight years what wasn't as commonplace was him firing back and getting in a position to birdie, in this case, the last two holes or, you know, salvage what was left of the day in order to win the tournament. Right. I mean, he missed a two-footer on Sunday, you know, another one of those. And and you'd say if he didn't rally back and close the door in, I mean, real fashion, oh, elite fashion. Buddy, that iron was... You'd go back to it and say, again, with the putter, look at this, he can't make the big putts. Mm. But he responded to it. Yeah, it, it's an interesting leaderboard so far. There's enough really good world-class players scattered through it so far. Scoring average is over par, but not a whole lot over par. It's going to be interesting. I, I don't know. On Sunday, these these might be for a U.S. Open. Not like what Brooks won with his first major when they were in the teens under par. But I don't know that this is going to be an event short of sunshine for the next three days straight. Yeah, I, I don't know that this course can get baked out enough to where you're only going to have two or three dudes under par. Well, I'm fine with that because really the emphasis should be, and it's an old golf course, and so it does uh, exemplify this, uh, the emphasis should just be on the accuracy of your shots in this case uh, and how what you can salvage if you go offline because they've grown the rough, rough out. There's gorse out there. I mean, some of these shots, yeah. I'm cracking up laughing. I'm like, this looks like a British Open. Uh, if you get into the rough at, at, the, at this particular venue, the Country Club in Brookline, Mass., uh, there are a couple spots you cannot save par. And that's how old courses, as you well know, because we're both members of Capital City Country Club, that's how it protects itself yeah. right, a lot yeah. of times. And so that's great. That's great. Because so many of these courses and so many of these events now are just about length. They're just about who hits it the furthest and goes no, and gets it. No, this isn't. No, this is, uh, as a lot of people are saying, a point-to-point. Point. I, I always hate the, the phrase, it's a second shot golf course. Well, it's a really important shot. If you look at statistics <laughs> and correlation between victory and one-strokes gain shot, approach is usually yeah, the pretty one. Pretty important, yeah. Yeah, but point-to-point, uh, point, I think, is a better descriptor. Like, if you went and played uh, closer down to the water near St. George, there's a course, and it doesn't matter if you can hit the ball three bills. Yeah. It really doesn't. Can you hit it accurately from 180 to 230? Because if you can do that, you're going to have a shot in every green. This isn't that short, but it's an older school course. And I think it's really fair looking at it so far. Florida State has obviously had quite an influx of uh, kids, high-profile kids in some cases, visiting. Um, and one of those kids is Shelton Sampson. Tom, we're going to get him, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. This is StoryWarchant.com. Austin Cox wrote it. I make reference If you break to out it. the NIL money, then we're all good. Yeah. He's uh, top 25 nationally. He's a four-star kid. He's 6'4". He said he had a great time here. Loved Doe Campbell Stadium. Loved Florida State. Well, I mean, where is he from, though? I think it was Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll wait and see. The answer is we're not getting that kid. <laughs> it's, I'm just telling you. I Well, I, if we take down the Alabama slammer. Uh-huh. 
you never know. That might open the door. It's a weird time in recruiting. It's a weird time in recruiting. I get it. I get that. You know, listen, you got to get guys like this on your campus. It's important to get high-profile players on your campus. It creates a buzz. It's important that you have enough pull and cachet that players of this ilk, were, even if they have no chance in hell of coming here ever, you want them visiting. You want them visiting. Can I ask you a sports media question real quick? Sure. Just because I see it on the screen here in the studio. Is uh, Damon Hack from Golf Channel like 6'5"? Do you know if that dude is huge? I don't know. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So he's interviewing Rory for the post round, and it looks like he's interviewing Danny DeVito. Well, okay, a couple things. I think Rory is what, 5'8"? Rory's not the tallest guy in the world, but they, they could do better with the setup. I mean, it is. Um, it looks like he's at the U.S. Junior Open, and he's and he's interviewing just a junior playing. Yeah. they, they got to fix that tomorrow. It's funny about that. Uh, Rory is, they list Rory at 5'9". No, that's like <laughs> listing work done at 5'9". Yeah, I think nope. that's generous. I think he's about 5'8". Uh, yeah, he's not an overly tall guy. Or did they list work at 5'11"? I forget what it was. Oh, no, but... no, no. They definitely didn't try to pull that charade. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> no. But anyhow, he's, uh, yeah, Rory's not tall. I bet Damon's like 6'3", and if Rory's 5'8", that right, uh, yeah, would explain it. it. You remember the L.A. Dodgers interview where Danny was on the field? Was Wasn't so that a great game, Where he's hammered yeah, everybody. Yeah. That's, that's what it looked like. That was, that was a little alarming. John Rahm with a good day today. Max Homa with a good day today. Colin Morikawa had it going for a while. Ended up at just minus one. Um, it's it's an interesting. You you said it. It's a good leaderboard. It's an interesting leaderboard. I imagine we're gonna weed out the uh, Buckleys and Lingmurths and uh, uh, Dommans and Harmons of the world, right? Gurgleson. Gurgleson's got yeah. no yeah. shot this week. If you want Gurgleson, you gotta you gotta get him in the Lipton T open. So uh, Daniel Berger finished at even. I think he, he birdied his final hole of the day to shoot seventy. It's a good day. Uh, uh, Brooks goes off this afternoon. Uh, I think Seifert made the field this week. I'm pretty Is that sure. Right. right. Yeah. So uh, quite a few knolls out there. But the the guy I'd bet John, on right. Go ahead. Jonas Blix made it. Jonas made it good. Well. That of all U.S. Opens, maybe this is one that fits him a little bit better than some of the others. Blix didn't just make it; he shot ten under. Not today, obviously, but oh, yeah, yeah, I would he, be. That would be. He'd yeah. be in first place. Yes, he would be. Yes. Is uh, John Rom would be the guy I'd throw some money behind right now? I, mean, I agree with you because he had a bad day shot in the uh, second shot golf course. His second shot was terrible across the board today, one under. and he's still one under par. So look out for John Rom. You get good odds on him. I'll bet it's probably seven, eight to one at, at minimum. Well, you know, on this here show. We've been known to check some damn odds from time to time right. in the middle of a show, Tom. So we'll we'll do just that. And there are huge names still to tee off. So, all right, all right. Jonas tees off, by the way, at 2.30. And if people don't know, Jonas went to Florida State, played in the Masters, finished runner-up in his first ever he Masters. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Uh, but that said, and he's a two-time winner on tour. Uh, but I would I would just say this. Um, if, you, if, you, if you think about Florida State guys that have come through, there have been a lot over the last – 10 years he is uh a wonderful wonderful representative of florida state representative of florida state just like the nicest guy that i've had the privilege to talk to that have come through and uh, john pack is a great you guy know, all i hear is like hey, he's not good you know when you say no, that no, it sounds no, like no. but their grades are good you know no, we, we no, get good grades no 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 jonas jonas is uh no no jonas has had a career he's 38 years old he's been in the on the tour his his career has lasted an awful long time um at one point he was ranked in the top 40 in the world he's had a good career uh top 35 in the world 
Uh, but I would point out that, you know, I mean, he's not a superstar. There's no no doubt about that. Uh, if this was in Athens, you'd say, get him off my leaderboard if he was in second or third place. Who's this Jonas Blixt ruining my U.S. Open? Maybe. Maybe I would. But at least Blixt is one on the damn tour. Um, most of these guys that I tell to get off my leaderboard are just clown shows that, I mean, there's no chance. Got no shot. You know who I saw in the pot bunker on five today? <laughs> Bo Hostler. Oh. I was like, oh, look at that. Bo Hostler made it. It's a fun, weird, quirky game amongst us golf fans. Like, you'll just see a guy like. I think if I gave you three cracks at it, you might have guessed Bo Hostler. Yeah, I would have had fun with it. Hey, you want to have, if you want to have fun as a golf fan, and we'll get off golf because people are going to be like, Jesus, guys. Uh, I just tell you, is go back and watch like a golf tournament from 10 years ago when they come up, like highlights. Because every year in every tournament, the week of, Golf Channel will have, like, well, what do we do on Tuesday? Uh, the week of the Memorial, we'll show some highlights from the Memorial from 97. You're like, okay. So they'll, they'll do Look that, right? Look at those baggy khakis. So when you watch that, though, invariably, there'll be a guy you haven't thought about in 10 years, 15 years, and you're like, oh, whatever happened to him? Look at that. That's so-and-so. Yarmo Sandalin. You know, yeah. There's just there's these moments where you're like, well, look at that. He was second that year. He was on it. What Austin happened to Tino him? Tino Roca. Yeah, he was off the tour two years later. Roca's a good one. That's not bad. Because he made the putt from the Valley of Sin against Daly to force the playoff in the British. <laughs> He also was on the first page, I believe, in Tiger's 97 win, where, again, the first page was Tiger, so it's more like the second page of the Masters. But there he was, Roka. He might have even played with Tiger on Sunday. There's always, um, you know, I, there's a friend of ours, uh, call him that, nice enough fellow that used to work at uh, Killarn that his dad oh, yeah. was Absolutely. an amateur and played in the U.S. Open against Tiger and was second at one point, and so he's in the Tiger Woods game. You're like, that's cool, there's, there's my dad. Only time you ever played on the tour. It's right there. That's pretty cool. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Jeff Cameron, Show 93, 3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. I mentioned uh, last segment, it's an interesting time for recruiting. And I and I, and I I get, listen, man, I work for WarChant.com, amongst others. But um, I just, I, I think I speak for the average fan here who's, I don't know, you, you see a guy coming to your university and uh, he's a target and you know he's... Uh, upper crust and you think okay well it's better that he showed up it's better that he's been here it's better that uh even though i know he's got visits planned for lsu and alabama 
Okay. Uh, it's good that he was here. Get it. Because you want a buzz created. You want to know your guys are at least able to hear back from these elite players that you hope someday to land. But there are two factors that make it really difficult for, for me to get excited about recruiting. And that is, uh, A, the, the modern landscape of recruiting where you can have a guy say yes and say he's committed and for two years celebrate everything Florida State on Twitter and wear a shirt and a hat and everything else under the sun. And then um, an hour before signing day, we get weird news. And next thing you know, he's gone. Uh, so there's that. Uh, and then there is the other thing. There is the uh, the, the real uh, realization that uh, none, of, none of the big-time guys, none of them, are coming here until we win some games. I mean, we just keep coming back to this over and over and over again. It's a broken record again. I mean, until you win some games, they're not coming. Because they could love it. They could come here and they could love it. They could love Mike Norvell. They could love whatever uh, whatever position coach that uh, they're going to be playing for. They could love all those guys. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. They ain't coming unless you win some games. Yeah, I'm conflicted on this because I know that that's the objective truth is you need to win in order to lure these kids because the negative recruiting against us is oh. Norvell is already a dead man walking. And so you've got to prove that there is stability in order for the kids to, to take what you're saying more genuinely. Mm -hmm. But I've seen this group of coaches that don't really have a ton of ties to this region. Last year secure a top 20 consensus class even with a 5-7 and seven record and a loss to Jacksonville State. And they were in position to be a lot better than that. Top 12, top 10 consensus. If they didn't lose to J-State, maybe they win one other game, right? And, so, they, and they missed out on a couple of key guys on signing day. On signing day, right. So that's, in a way, that's a positive, that you're even in a position with this group that you don't have a, a stone-cold connected guy, you know, down in Miami or wherever, whatever hotbed, Valdosta. Mm -hmm. And you're still able to put yourself in that conversation. So that's the positive. So I think if you win, you could argue and say, wait till they win because they're clearly impressing kids enough without a historical track record mm -hmm. in the region. Yeah, yeah. The negative side is I ask the grand question, okay, let's say you have a good September. Isn't it too late for this cycle? Or can you reasonably recruit four or five key players and swing the momentum so much so in one month's worth of football games yes. that they will sign with you in December? Yeah. Is that reasonably possible? Yes, Uh it is reasonably possible to suggest that if you have a great September, say 4-0, I mean, like you combine the Duquesne right, game, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. and you go 4-0, that you could sway a kid who has you fourth or third solely because he really enjoyed all the coaches and his visit, right? So he came right. here, which he is thoroughly where, enjoyed it, where these guys are. Which is, yeah, which is where this thing you're talking about yeah. right now is important. Yes. That you've laid That's that why you foundation. get him here. That's why you right. get him here, right. is you build relationships. You get him here. You can't get that kid. We know that. So what? You got him here this week. Great. So I know what the counter is. People go, oh, what? what? You know, Jeff, the reason you're not excited is because you know damn well we're not getting that kid. Hold on. Yes. But there's nuance to this. You still got to get him here. You got no chance to get him if you don't ever get him here and build the, you know, the rapport. So that kid comes. And he's, you know, I mean, he's probably saying what he knows the FSU reporters want to hear. Uh, you know, he's not going to tell Michael Langston, this place sucks. That'd be problematic. But, but Yeah, he probably just wouldn't make himself available at right, that point. Right, like, yeah, right, I'm, yeah, I'm good, guys. Yeah. But but the point is, he's going to – so you read those quotes, and everybody wants to read those quotes. And Michael does a great job of getting those quotes from these guys. He's sitting down. Now, he's not coercing them to say this. He's asking them how their visit was. He's a Austin's asking them, how did you like your – how did you like – they're going to tell you. Was what today they the best day of your uh, life? I mean, so, you know, 
So you read a kid like Shelton Sampson say the entire staff was genuine. Overall, it was a great trip for me. Well, good job, Shelton. I mean, that's what you should say. Uh, you could have been you could have been visiting Texas Tech, and 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 you would have said something just like that. Ah, but it was nice here. It was a great visit. Good. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. But if you don't get them on your campus, you can't build the relationships so that when you execute the plan, proof of concept is had, is seen, is verified by the kid. Now all of a sudden the kid, meaning when you win the games in September, and this year August and September, when you do that, now that kid's like, oh, wow. All right. Now, you know, I really did like it there. I really did like Coach Norvell. I really did like Coach Higgins. Whatever you want to say, you know, um, whatever the position group is. In this case, it's receiver, so maybe Dugans. Who knows? Um, so it'd be exciting. Oh, there's exciting the extra news. pause. I was uh, waiting for it. But, but, but anyhow, now the kid can think back to those visits, can think back about the good time that he had here, can think back about the relationships that he made. And now he sees a 4-0 team that's ranked inside the top 20, and they become viable. They, they become a realistic option. Now, at the end of the day, there are very few teams that are going to go head-to-head with Alabama. If, if, if we are on a receiver, and they are on a receiver, uh, say, same receiver, and all things are equal, and he enjoyed both visits, he's going to Bama. Because you can rattle off the last 10 years worth of all-world receivers that Alabama's produced and national championships and college football playoff berths and SEC championships. You're just not going to win that battle. But, again, if it's a battle between you and LSU, you and Ole Miss, Ole Miss Florida, unit, okay, you can beat them. You got a shot at them. Um, and that's where we're trying to get to. That's where we got to get to. And I, I just, every day on this show, and it, invariably, even if I don't plan on it, it comes back to the season at hand being of paramount importance. This is it. This, this is the show me year for Mike Norvell and his staff. I think, given all the circumstances that, he inherited when he took this job that he's done a good job in a lot of areas. It's time for results. Now, it is, you can say, a long-term rebuild. You can't have the expectation after all of this that they're going to go out and win 10 or 11 games, win the conference, and make the college football playoff. That's unreasonable. They don't have the roster to do that. They're not deep enough to do that. They're not talented enough at key positions to do that. But can you beat the middling teams of the ACC? Well, you better. You better. Yeah, and starting with the second half of the Louisville game, that was a campaign from that point to the end of the year. That is, that's what it needs to look like this season. Because if it does, then you are in that ballpark of 7, 8, or 9, depending upon injury luck and turnover luck. Mm-hmm. Because for the last eight and a half games of the season, they were exactly what, what they need to be this year. They're five and three, five and four if you count the Louisville game. And obviously you did lose it, but the second half was a, a turning point. They were that group that was in every single game they played, even with a talent deficit in many circumstances. They you were have every single game if they didn't win it. Tom, you have 
from September the 16th, coming off of a bye September the 10th, from September the 16th until October 29th, frankly, that's probably where I'll stop it. I could stop it before then if you want and just say it's from September the 16th to October the 8th. You have the show-me proving ground necessary to make uh, a, a pretty informed positive or negative opinion about where this is all headed with this staff because you play nothing but ACC teams and they are the definition of teams in this league that if Florida State is right, you beat every time. If Florida State's where they're supposed to be, headed in the right direction, if they're anywhere close to getting to where we expect them to be in soon, they can't be any worse than what three and one, three and one in those four games. Here are the four games: Louisville, Boston College, Wake Forest, NC State. Yeah, I think you hate. I mean, I know. What's I know, more I get likely, it. two and two or three and one in that? Well, situation. two and two is more, far more likely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you well, I'll tell you what. You can't be. You better not be one and three in that. Right. Stretch. Yeah. Then you're playing Clemson, and you're wondering. You're looking yeah. for quit watch yeah, well, against Clemson at that point. Yeah. You, you know. I mean, we'll get there when we get there, and there will be plenty of things that happen between now and then that will help shape an opinion. But I'm just saying, you, you starting in the middle of September, you have nothing but ACC games, and they become – Yeah. I mean, that's the stretch. Because, listen, Clemson, you're going to be a decided underdog even here at home in all likelihood. So I, I'm just excluding that because I'm going to separate that Clemson team out. They are the outlier of the ACC. They are a national championship contender most years, or at least they have been, and they've recruited like it. So you can't – you're not big enough, strong enough, fast enough. Now, somebody might say, well, you almost beat them last year on the road. Yeah, I know. Circumstances, things play out to where maybe you are in a position to beat them. They got terrible quarterback play last year. I think they were stunned by that. There's been a lot of – change over at Clemson, so I'm not saying that there's not a possibility that we watch them continue to slide. That'd be great. But if you're only basing it on the the significance of the roster, Clemson's roster is way better than Florida State's roster. It's not close. But but Louisville's roster's not. Boston College's roster certainly isn't. Wake's isn't. Experienced quarterback, yes. But they're not appreciably better as a roster than Florida State, if at all. And NC State's roster's better. But again, it's NC State that's not Clemson. They haven't recruited the way Clemson has. They haven't recruited the way uh, you know LSU has, let's say, a team you're going to play at the beginning of the year. Those four games, circle those sons of bitches. That's the, those are the ones. Yeah, I, um, I feel like it's almost suited as well next hour for uh, solving the future or something along those lines. But it, you're looking at the schedule and the breakdown before the second bye. We get two byes this year because yeah. we start in August. That second bye week is the week of October 22nd. Yep. You'll have completed seven games at that point. I guess maybe that's the question for for the solve in the future, not now. Five but, and two. Well, what? How many do you need before that buy? And that, that's worth discussing because once you come off of the buy, it's Georgia Tech to start, and it's here. Yeah, and then for it's Christ's at sake, Miami. Can we beat them? Yeah, right yeah, yeah. at Miami, maybe, maybe not. Syracuse here. No, it's, or, on the road. it's up there. Sorry, yeah, we'll it is kill up there. Them. Either way, they correct. Suck. That better not be a game. Hopefully, a gutted raging Cajun crew. We'll see. By then, we'll know whether or not they were able to just reload with Napier gone. They're Probably not, not. They lost half their roster. And then you get Florida here. You know, and it's a night kick on on a Friday of Thanksgiving week. I mean, so if you get to that bye week above five hundred, then you could start and dare to dream a little bit about real momentum. Yeah, but the problem is again, we're talking about recruiting. Go back to recruiting. It's too late. That record against Louisville, Boston College, Wake, and NC State, man, that's it. Let's go. Put yourself in a position 
to win the hearts and minds of kids on the fence. Everything's sped up now. Boy, we need to do it. You know, we're all talking about the great trip that we're going to have in New Orleans, and it's going to be fun, and, and we're still ironing out those details. But we got to do something that Friday the Louisville game, too. I know you say that you want to go, and maybe you will, but if yeah, there's, if there's a contingent way, of us that are back here, yeah. that's an all-day event, getting ready for that game. And kickoff. I get nervous talking about the game. I that's get a big nervous one. No matter what about, happens in New I'm Orleans, it's a huge game. Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. I get nervous talking about it. I really do, because I, I want this group to succeed. They've put in the work. They have worked their ass off. Now, they haven't always won out in recruiting. They haven't always been able to get and, and do as good a job as I, I was hoping they would do in recruiting. But they have put in the work. He has flipped the culture. All those things are true. He cares deeply. Those kids, they care about being here. All that is true. I want them to succeed. Above and beyond my love of Florida State, I want them to succeed because I've watched how hard they've worked, and we've watched it all. And I don't want to start over. Who the hell wants to start over? Because even if you get, if you arrive to the conclusion that, you know, uh, if you arrive at the conclusion that it's not going to work, they're not getting it done. We're not, we're not taking big enough steps forward. We're mired in mediocrity. It's a shame that he inherited what he did, but he was paid handsomely to do something about it. It's not happening, and we're probably going to move on. Like, let's say you arrive at that, and I'm not assuming that that's going to be the case. The thing that sucks about it is there is, at that point, a resolution. You're no longer in limbo, and not being in limbo feels better than being in limbo. Nobody likes the in-between. Even if what you're facing is daunting, if you know how you're going to go about the process of overcoming whatever that challenge is, could be weight loss, could be anything, right? If you just have a game plan, it's easier to do it. Once you've resolved to do it and you've decided this is what we are. So there would be resolution at that point. It would feel better than being in limbo, but it would also be heartbreaking because even though you now know your answer your truth you gotta start the hell over and man there ain't no magical pill that this place can take where all of a sudden they're in tip-top shape they'd be starting over again again think about how many times so jimbo obviously willie and then you would have norvell and you'd be bringing in a fourth guy in that short a period of time Man, <laughs> the prescription of Mark Stoops could work. It could work, but let's not go there. No, don't want to go there. Want to feel damn good. Doe Campbell Stadium on October the 15th. I want to walk in with irrational confidence. You know how you get that? You go three in one of those four games. There might be some irrational confidence. And everybody's talking about Dabo is, you know, he's just not the same without his assistant coaches. Yeah, he's looking a little punch drunk. Answering Take all those out. questions. He snapped at a reporter yeah, every week. Yeah, it's getting a little weird. Yeah, I want it there to dream. Walt Deptula saying, well, I don't know. <laughs> Looks like these guys might have quit on Dabo. <laughs> Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchad TV. <laughs> Looks like Sepp Straka's squares didn't do him any good. He shot plus seven today. <laughs> it's unfortunate that the Sorry, YouTube Sepp. audience did not uh, hear that. Yeah, 
I said it doesn't look like Seb Straka's squares did him any good today. He shot plus seven. Square strike. Mm -hmm. It's amazing what they can do. It's a shoe. The, um, well, yeah, this will be fun. I'll, uh, I'll continue to monitor and update you, but uh, as of right now, uh, it is minus three in the clubhouse, three individuals tied for the lead. One of them matters. The other two will not be there on a Sunday. Uh, Rory McIlroy leading the way at minus three. The other two are uh, Callum Taron, again, not going to be there Sunday. David Lingmurth, not going to be there Sunday. There you go. No cascading of booze, no booze of any kind that I could uh, determine, and that would be the cheer, not the uh, liquid, for Phil Mickelson, who just teed off at the 147 tee time. Yeah, he's a politician. He'll smile and wave, and I think people saw that far away look in his eyes that, uh, come on, guys, you know I'm defending a lie, and I know it, but just let me get this money. I owe $100 million to people. I got What am I going to do? <laughs> I had to do it. I pissed away my fortune. I've got kids and a family, and I, there are guys that will hurt me if I don't get this money. I think I'm pretty close to the truth on all that. So there, there, you, there you go. My man's like, I know what I did, but, you know, I'm facing the music here. They call me lefty. I might need to play righty after they're done with me. <laughs> I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, that was, that, was a, that was something. That was a, you know, you think about the press conferences you've seen over the years. Some go disastrously, some go swimmingly, some are, you know. And then there are the ones that kind of just, you feel uncomfortable while you watch him because you you know that guy's in a pickle, and he doesn't even believe what he's saying, and he looks like he's hurting. Phil winced a couple of times in those in that press mm -hmm. conference. That was yeah. weird, man. He there was some physical of those, anguish. Oh, some of those questions pierced his soul. Yeah, he winced. You don't see too many times that a man's question to another man causes the one who's asked to wince. Mm. Oh, Urban Meyer never winced. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Never once. <laughs> Maybe Phil wincing makes you understand that he is human, at least. I mean, like, he knows what he did. Y yes. He's not unabashedly talking about the great new tour that he's on. He's That's the thing that nobody has done yet, where they're like, you know, I can't tell you. I, well, what a breath of fresh air. They can't. This is unbelievable. Shotgun start 54 holes. <laughs> it's a joke. It's like this is a clown That's show. That's what Rom uh, alertly Pointed out. For. Like, the product sucks. Yeah. What, what are we do doing? you want here? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't believe that 54 holes is a tournament. Well, and he wants to be compared to, you know, his career. He wants to be able to juxtapose yeah. against the greatest players to ever live and to compete against them, by the way. I mean, they're over there competing against freaking tire salesmen. I mean, what are we, what are we, what are we doing? There's <laughs> some dudes over there, you're like, what? Yeah, Phil was in... Jack Terry? Who the hell is Jack Terry? Phil was in a special kind. He was clearly coached to take his time, answer the question with as few words as possible, and then let the silence reign. It was almost Brady-esque, and I'm not necessarily tying those two individuals together. It's just when you watch Tom Brady go through a midweek press conference in Tampa, he chews on gum, first of all, or, or his tongue or whatever. And he's like, and, uh, you know, so... That's what we're looking for this Sunday. And then he'll pause, and it's, the pressure is on the, the question asker. In this case, though, the media did not flinch. 
Oh, they, they did were not ready. Flinch. They were ready for this whole thing. Yeah, you saw Kyle Porter's tweet. That was great. Uh, anybody with a question for Phil Mickelson? He showed a massive beard. <laughs> he showed like, there's no way to see if people. Like, yes. Yes, we're ready to ask several. So they had a list, a top five list that I think I saw of coaches and their odds of winning a national championship um, to be to their first national championship. And I don't know why uh, I didn't think of this, but Ryan Day was, was number one on the list. And it, it, I, I don't know why I didn't. I thought Ryan Day had won a national championship. Well, Ohio State's been so good. Yeah, he's there. He's always knocking. Yeah. And been, they didn't miss a beat. No, they didn't miss a beat at all, and he has done a great job. And I just I don't know why I thought he'd already won one, but he hasn't. And yeah, he would be very high on that list of of coaches that uh, have a shot to win and get their first national championship. They had a few others bold predictions, if you will. It was kind of a fun little thing to go through. But Lincoln Riley, wouldn't you put him at two? I would put Lincoln Riley at two. He hasn't won a national championship, uh, not as a head coach. What What is the wager? Uh, it's not this year. It's just first to do it. For, yeah, then the, of the coaches in college football that have not won a national championship, who it what order? Who's first up? Who's best odds? All that stuff. Yeah. I put Lincoln Riley second behind Ryan Day. Probably yeah. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with Jeff Kemper Show ninety three three Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. <laughs> 